Hey, everybody. It's been a while. Uh, we recorded this episode during the Easter weekend, and I'm finally getting around to releasing it. Yeah, about a month and a half late. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this episode series started with a prompt. Were you a head case or obsessed with running college? Do you have a healthy relationship with it now? Let's chat about it. And our, for our first guest of the series, I'm joined by TJ Morales. TJ, a graduate of High Point University, was fortunate to have a very knowledgeable and positive community when he began to run in high school and for the early part of college. But what happens when those positive influences are no longer around and you're left with an environment not conducive to growth in the sport? On this episode, TJ takes us through a story of carving his own path in the sport and the barriers and barriers he found. TJ has continued to improve post-college and despite a pretty health or pretty extremely busy life outside running. I really enjoyed talking to TJ and much of his attitude towards running is something that others can take away as well. Well, enough of me talking, on to the show. Welcome to the Beers and Miles podcast. We talk about beers, miles, and whatever else I can manage to jump off topic with. My name's Chris, and I just got done from a long run, and so I definitely need, have a lot of beers already. So let's drink a little bit, or just definitely have a lot of miles already. So let's drink a little of the beer. Uh, we are drinking today uh, National Broccoli Day, Double Dry Hop Imperial India Pale Ale, Mother Half. Um, picked some up after Project 13.1 a couple weeks ago. So decided to try this out, and also uh, double fist this with noon because I definitely need to stay hydrated. Um, if you, like always, if you guys enjoy the podcast, uh, give us a like, share, subscribe, uh, five stars, nice comments on Spotify, um, Spotify, tunes, all that stuff. Um, tell your friends, tell your dog, tell your cat. Yeah, you know the whole drill. Um, today, I am really excited to have a new guest on the podcast. Uh, we have TJ Morales, uh, a, a graduate of High Point University, correct? Yep. Awesome. So uh, met TJ a couple weeks ago at Project 13.1. And it looks like you said a pretty big PR in that race, didn't you? Yeah, about two minutes from the first one I did at Rockland Lake. Nice. Awesome. Same course? Yeah. Yeah, it was a really low-key half marathon. It was supposed to be like a test. And then the second one I ran just didn't get better from that. So I was happy to actually crack a good one off. That's super exciting. So tell me a little bit about you. Um, are you originally from uh, New York area? Yeah, I grew up in a small town in up, like further upstate New York than the city, but not super upstate in Rockland County, Stony Point. Um, okay. went to North Rockland high school and everybody knows it because that's where Caitlin too, we went and I was actually neighbors with her for like <laughs> the longest time. I actually just went for a run with her brother this morning, not Ryan. There's a third one that gets swept under the rug all the time. His name is Pat. Um, after North Rockland went to high point, uh, studied exercise science down there. Cause I knew I always wanted to coach and now I'm a phys ed teacher further upstate New York and Washingtonville, still coaching high school, still trying to just get better at running. Nice, nice. So uh, tell me a little bit about how, how did you end up finding running? Um, when I was little, I was really into baseball. Eventually, I just had a coach, like standard youth coach, just made everything was about winning. Nothing was about development or learning to like the game. And I was tired of it, um, left baseball. And then I realized my little cousin was faster than me and I wasn't going to have it. I signed up for cross country because somebody told me, oh, you can just, it's just fall track. It just has a different name. So I thought I could go in and run like maybe the 400 when I was 12 and I was very wrong. Um, but eventually I started liking the team more than the sport itself and stuck around with that. Awesome. Awesome. So coming out out of middle school, um, did, at what point did you swap out from going uh, from like the shortest to the longest distances? 
Uh, pretty much after that first season of cross country, when I realized like for the whole fall, I'm going to be running a mile and a half. And I saw a lot of success pretty quick. Granted, I started out, I think the first time trial we did, I ran like a nine minute, maybe nine Oh five something. Um, and then by the end of it, I, by the end of that year, I was somewhere under six minutes, which for me at the time was like a massive th- deal. Um, yeah. So I stuck with the like the mile 800 through middle school. And then in high school, my coach told us that we didn't really have an option. He liked the steeple so much that we had to at least give it an effort. So tried it in practice. We don't have a water pit. So we just had a wooden two by four barrier put in front of the sand pit and started practicing steeple there. And then that's what I ended up doing all through college. Huh? So like you guys are very different in terms of like New York does have steeple yeah. i'm a california boy we don't have steeple in high school so um how is like is that featured at almost every meet there like how does that work yeah so the dual meets will never will never really have it just the the jv meets where it's like trying to get everybody into a race try to seed them into get some some kind of time for every event that they would want to do in a championship race um the big invites and most championships will always have steeplechase and it depends on what me and who's hosting it. Boys will sometimes run 2K or 3K, but girls will always only run 2K. Are you guys still doing the same height of 36 inches? It's, yes, same height as in the NCAA. So got still going over 36 inch barriers and the girls are still going over 30. Did you, like, I know your coaches more wanted you to try it at least once. Did you fall in love with it right away? Or is it an event that you were just kind of like, uh, I, I, I'm, yeah, I was good little, at it. I was so I'm hesitant because I'm—I was real. I still am, but uh, when I was younger, I was super clumsy. So my hurdle form was really just me throwing myself over the barriers. <laughs> um, but the water pit—it came pretty easily because I would, like whenever we'd go for runs, like we have a patch of woods right behind our high school, so we would go through like trail runs. So we got everybody was pretty like quick to learn how to like land one foot wet, one foot dry because just all the logs and stuff we would have to jump over. Um. But I ended up liking it because it was a good way to break up running than in just like, I hate people who are like, oh, running is boring. It's running in ovals and like it yeah. get a little boring after a while. So it was a nice way to like stay engaged for the whole race because you only have 80 meters before you have to like zone back in and find that barrier again. So just made running yeah. more athletic, I think, is what my coach used to say. Funny enough, it's uh, I was like the big clumsy guy on my team. Uh and that's, I gravitated to the steeple as well. For some reason, like I was clumsy at everything else, wasn't very good at basketball, was awful at soccer mm-hmm. and just like would trip over myself kind of thing. And like steeple was kind of like just my, it was just fun. Yeah. <laughs> so going into college now, or I guess let's finish up with high school. Like how any, what were the like big points for you in high school? Um, I guess even your development and your relationship too. Um, at what point did you start looking at yourself as more like, I guess the looking at the label as a runner. Um, I would say I didn't really know what that meant until I had teammates who were like, like it was a weird thing to not be a fan of the sport on my high school team. Like we would come out and we'd like the first year I was there, my freshman year, we were, it was 2012. So we were talking about what we just saw in the Olympics and everybody knew everything about the pros already. And this is before we had the influx of social media and everything. So this mm-hmm. like die stat runner space, just like message, message board stuff. Um, so I had to learn about like, how do I follow the sport? And it wasn't until I actually had teammates like show me like, this is where you can watch these pros before like we had um, sound running and all this kind of stuff. 
Um, so the guys on the team actually helped me become a fan of it. And then after I started seeing like some success and like getting better at running, I was like, oh, maybe this is going to be what I do all through high school. Um, and I think what really locked me in was we had, it was like the county championship for my indoor freshman year season. And we had, my coach had this, it, like looking back, it was, it worked for high school, but I don't know why we bought into it so much. He had this little toy Thor action figure that he would give out to whichever kid he said dropped the hammer the most. And it didn't even have to mean like who had the biggest kick. It was like who had the biggest day on that track. And I got it for, I think I, I don't even think I broke five, but I got it for like maybe like a 501. Um, but it was the first time that somebody was like, look, you didn't run as fast as you could have, but you ran a great race for what you were in kind of thing. And yeah. it was kind of one of those things like, wow, you don't ha actually have to be the best to like have a good day for yourself. Like it is really all relative. And I was lucky enough to have teammates and a coach who at a young age were able to show me like, that's what that meant. That's super interesting because I, I know from my days on Dystat that like the New York boards were very much, that was like the New York boards and Wisconsin were typically like the big, yeah. big like pockets where people were really educated kind of from the gun. So to hear that, it's really cool to hear like a going to a high school that did have like was pretty educated in it and you still kind of had to still had to find your way to figure out like more about the sport but having that kind of basis there and yeah. and even just from looks like just fostering good habits even then mm -hmm. yeah I got so good no i was just saying i got lucky with like who i had in high school so as far as like would you say that in high school you had pretty just positive influences as far as like running culture in general yeah there were i mean every team's gonna have the kids who were like little little pricks really mm -hmm. but for the most part like the upperclassmen I had like all the way through when I was a senior like the kids that were even my age the big emphasis was like yeah we want as good as we want to be at this we're never going to let it like eat away at us to the point where like it stops being fun because at the end of the day like you signed up for this in seventh grade because you wanted to have a sport to do and even if for some of us it was like just we're going to go for a run we're just gonna have a social hour with our friends or suffer through a workout and then laugh about how bad our splits were in it like <laughs> at the end of the day we're just doing something because we found it fun at one point that's awesome that's awesome so um coming out of high school uh what point did you decide hey college is a thing and even uh, what came to your decision to go to high point uh i knew i was gonna run pretty much after like my freshman year like once i started my sophomore summer of running i was like all right if I'm doing this, my coach had us doing at that age, even like 50 miles, 55 miles a week through the summer. Um, I was like, this is probably going to be something I end up doing in college as long as I don't end up hating it. Um, and then going into when I started to look at colleges, I knew I wanted to do something with running and I figured might as well learn like I know what to do, but I don't know why or how we do it like to get better at it. So I wanted to study exercise science to figure out like how I can actually like, if I don't have a coach, I want to be able to train myself. Or if I end up being a coach, I want to be able to like back up why I'm giving certain workouts or certain mileage assignments. Um, and High Point's coach, their team was pretty solid at the time um, for where they were. And their coach, for whatever reason, got me down on an official visit within the next two weeks, which mm -hmm. blew me away because I was going into hot college i think my prs were like 432 in the 16 and like 947 and there were guys on the team that were 347 in the 15 uh there was a 29 40 10k guy and i didn't even think it was a college event at that point yeah so 
I got down there and I was like, why the fuck am I on this visit right now? Like, <laughs> and then as soon as I got there, the guys that I fell in love with, they graduated. So that's kind of where I saw like what you, the prompt that you put up on your story where I was like, oh yeah, this is something I relate to because after that is when the teammates that I had, most of them were great guys. And actually the trip I was just on in Colorado, I was with all the pole vaulters from the team. Um, mm -hmm. But the distance guys, there was a little bit of a culture shift that I wasn't really prepared for. So like the three, I'd say two, two and a half years were a bit of a rough patch through college. It's funny. I like I had some of that case, but like the older guys on my team left mm -hmm. and some of the younger guys were like kind of had more of a, an influence. And it's like, it's not that they're bad people. It's just like, they're not good teammates. <laughs> and I've had people like that. It's just like, at least on my end, where it's just like, it, it does, it does it push for like a, a culture that's just not healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's really just easy to just to get it, fall into it. Yeah. Um, so at what point did like, so did they graduate as soon as you got there or they graduated like a year after? Like it was how? my freshman year, they were still there and it was really, their culture was so, along the lines of like, we want to be really good, but we're not going to like let it sacrifice like who we are kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like if I, if I skipped out on mileage, like they'd call me out on it. Um, if I wanted to like take it easier on a run, like they'd be okay with it as long as I was getting the volume in. Um, and then after my freshman year, they all left. Like the, my roommates were actually one of the seniors and a redshirt senior. And once they were out, the culture shifted almost entirely. Um, I guess I wasn't just vocal enough myself, but some mm -hmm. stepped in, for, like stepped in for them and basically did a 180. Yeah. I mean, it's tough and you're a sophomore at that point. So it's like, yeah, you're still the new guy on the team. So it's hard to really just be able to continue a, a culture shift as one person. But um, I, so it was there a point that you kind of just started noticing that mindset shift for yourself? Yeah, it was kind of hard because like being the one guy on the team, like I was a sophomore and there were guys, there were guys older than me. So the kids that were coming in, they weren't going to listen to the sophomore because it was like, you're only one year older than us. Like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. um, so they, we followed we ended up going with what the uh, the oldest kid on the team said because he was the de facto captain. Um, and the culture started to shift towards like, look, we're, we're only on the, like, we're not a real division one team. We're here because we want it. We're here to like kind of say we're on one, um, all this kind of stuff. And eventually we started to just go into like bad habits. Like we'd go out and drink every weekend, all this kind of stuff where as much as I wanted to be good at running, it was like, I wasn't, I, I guess I didn't have it in myself to like step away from it and be like, no, I still want to be good. And as much as I want to have fun like this, I like I signed on to be on this team. I don't want to yeah. waste that spot that the coach gave me because he didn't have to put me on this team at all. So eventually I started to like drift over towards like more of the field events, more of the sprinters, the women's distance team where the mindset was, we're doing this because it's fun. We're not going to let something like stop us from doing it. And everything that we do at the end of the day, like, yeah, we're going to go out, we're going to have a beer or two every now and again, but we're still going to think like, no, running is fun. And it's even more fun when we can do when we can do well in it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there, there is that nice, like, that kind of even, yeah, like even footing there where it's like, like, I'm always, I'm always a fan of like, hey, it's okay to have a beer every so often, like, my whole, I mean, my whole podcast is beer every so often, yeah. but like, like, look, like, look at the OAC, they, those guys are drinking beers all the time. <laughs> exactly it, but it's like the whole thing where it's like it, it, there's it's moderation yeah. it's it like yeah I, I 
have probably more beards than probably the average marathoner that I race against. But like, I don't when I'm in peak season, I'm not like drowning myself in beers. Exactly. I'm also like day before races, I'm not being an idiot. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of things, it's like I've seen people. I've seen people on my team like it passes. So they, they don't drink soda for the entire season. Yeah. I need to. Say, it's like, oh uh, well, kind of try to figure it out right in the middle and be more comfortable with what you're doing. Yeah. But it's like, it, but it's tough too because it's like. At a certain point, like it's you want you want to be in that part of that team, mm-hmm. but also it's like it's like trying to figure out your place where where you're going to be as well. Yeah. So as far as that, like it looks like having that that other outlet with the the field events and the women's team, like how, did that help? Did that help a lot? It's like yeah, because did it? It was. More of a culture of track, really, because when I was going into college, I was like, um, like a fan of distance running, and I guess hanging out with the other field event groups uh, or even the sprinters, like I was able to appreciate like the entire sport more than I was before. Um, so that got me to launch even into a bigger phase of like just being a fan of track, and it was like, I'm gonna, I want to enjoy this as much as I can. Like, if I can actually be a part of this team and like contribute, that's gonna be my end goal. Um, cause like I was watching the sprinters and like when I was a freshman, I was an idiot. I was like, oh, their, their workouts, they're running like 400 total meters and they're getting like 20 minutes around. How hard could it be? And then as I was like learning exercise, like going through my exercise science program, I was like, I never want to touch that kind of workout in my life. Yeah. Like, had, like, <laughs> I think we had, had I think in those, college we had, <laughs> we had one of those workouts and it was just brutal. Like I, I couldn't walk to class the next day. <laughs> I think we had one of those times where like. Uh, at Laverne, we had a um, some of our 800 guys. They tossed them in the sprint workouts mm-hmm. just to kind of show them a lesson. And it was like, yeah, it's, it's not. It's yeah, their volume is a lot less than what you're doing, but like the intensity is, it's, it's there. It's the like roof. you you're gonna start puking after your workout, yeah. like trying to do this shit. <laughs> yeah, it gave me a brand new respect for it. And we only did like a ladder up to 200 and back down. And yeah. our best our best 800 1500 guys, they were peeling over yakking <laughs> that that's really that, that's super cool to hear though because like I, I think for the one thing i got really lucky with with laverne and with even tiffin um was we were very much a track program so like getting a chance to like like a lot of your story just like it reminds me of how i grew up with like the message boards and getting to learn about running and then getting to college and like we hung out with the with the field events and the sprinters a lot mm-hmm. because we were a track program and yeah. like you get to hear, you get like, you get to become a student of the sport and really realize like there's so much nuance with every different discipline. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's fascinating to watch. Yeah. And like when I started coaching like high school kids, my, like I got lucky because the guy, like there was a high school coach who wasn't the head coach at that point, but he was there when I was still in high school. And he found out that I was home, I was done with school, and he knew that I studied exercise science because he owns a gym. I would go to the gym and we just nerd out about stuff called me on to coach because I was volunteering at Manhattan College at the time. And he goes, do you want to not drive down into the Bronx and actually get paid to coach? Um, so I joined immediately and he said, all right, cool. I know you're a distance guy, but we need a pole vault coach. So <laughs> being like, I lived with some of the pole vaulters and having hung out with them more than really anybody else on the team, I was like, oh yeah, no, I, I, I understand the event. Like I'm probably going to need like a book or two to actually figure it out. But it was, uh, was kind of cool getting to teach something that like I'd never done. And eventually, like, I did take a pole and, like, try to jump. I think I cleared, like, eight feet on a straight stick. But 
it was kind of nice getting to like actually work with completely different things in the sport. It's a, we have one of our uh, discord message boards. We have a bunch of people from our old die chat or die stat days Mm -hmm. and like hearing them get all like our buddy Ben walk is super technical about everything. Yeah. And so talk about like triple jump or like, like, like the mechanics of all that stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea like (laughs) about a lot of stuff, but it's like, it's still super fascinating to hear about like, just how like just the mechanics of every different yeah. discipline. Yeah, one of our coaches, he uh he always said like that every discipline in track has some different science background. Like distance running is all exercise physiology. Sprinting is a lot of biomechanics. And then like the field events, he was like the field events are just physics problems. Yeah. <laughs> and he was able to explain it to us perfectly because he had a doctorate in biomechanics for like the multis coach at High Point did. So he was able to like walk us through every part of every event like it why the rotation works in the shot put why pole vaulters like eventually he got us to understand like the faster you are the safer the event is going to be but also the higher you go so that's super cool yeah it's it's been it's been really cool to hear about like other people as well like for for us we have uh like i think we have most like both big events covered like Justin Frick was a like a high jumper, mm-hmm. like a really successful high jumper. So we get to hear some of his stuff when we're, we're getting into track season. And then, um, of course, AJ Acosta will every so often will jump in and we got to hear some of that stuff. But like, it, it's just like hearing different, like, I guess people that really got a chance to master their craft for a little bit, yeah. like, that's really cool to hear. And it's like, and then, I mean, even at this point, like from last year or for this year, hearing about uh, Krauser doing a completely different, like, like a different kind of setup oh, yeah. first throw. It was like, like more of a disc spin in the circle. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I like high school me wouldn't give a shit. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know what the difference is really. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm like, this is super cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, anyways, we we're off topic and that this is basically, that's how the intro for this goes. We're always go off topic a little bit. So we want to jump back in a little bit more about like, at the, uh, at a certain point, you did have that outlet to be able to go with the uh, the other event groups. Mm-hmm. Um, distance group wasn't necessarily the uh, a great system to be able to work with yeah. uh, as far as like emotionally and mentally there. But like at a certain point, where did it start affecting you as an athlete and even your relationship with, with the sport itself? Yeah, there was just like, as much as I wanted to get good, there were guys on the team that for whatever reason, like it was oh, why are you putting so much effort in? Like, we're not, this, we're not this like power five team. And I would just try to fire back with like, it's not like, you don't have to be a power five team to try to get better. Um, falling on deaf ears. Um, eventually I did look at other schools to like possibly transfer to, but I'd, like I said, I had that like support group of the other, like of the pole vaulters, of the women's distance team, of the sprinters to be like, look, it's going to be a rough ride, but like you are an important factor on this team. Um, so it was more about like, I knew I always wanted to run. It might not have been like the right spot for me to do it in. And I was glad that I always had the coach to like go to like the coaching staff there was phenomenal all four years. Um, I got really lucky that they actually like stayed the entire four years. Um, but I did notice eventually, like I did start to fall into the distance runners, like the guide distance runners, like what they were trying to do, like where we would like cut back on mileage. We would uh, take it easier on workouts than we probably should have. And on the inside, I was always like, this isn't what I came here to do. Um, 
And then we got an assistant volunteer coach who is my coach now who kind of like stoked a fire under a few of our asses. Um, and it worked for like three or four of us. We were able to like actually see like a good shift once this guy came on the team. He was a lot younger than our head coach and he was, he, he was legit. Um, he made the trials in 16. His name is Brandon Hudgens. His story is awesome. Like phenomenal. He's got a book called uh, going the distance. Um, really makes you appreciate like what you should be able to do with what you're with the body you have. Um, yeah. But him lighting a fire under a lot of our asses, I think it was like halfway or later into my sophomore year, earlier into my junior you could see like whenever there was a practice B Hudge was at, everybody was like trying to hold themselves to a higher standard. Cause like he would go out for runs with us. He would be on the other side of the track where maybe our head coach couldn't see to like really hold us accountable. Like his watches would be linked up with the head coaches. Um, yeah. Even if it was just having an extra set of eyes or having somebody who was like, look, I'm, I am good at this sport. Like I am the level you want to be and I'm here to help. Like nobody's paying me. This is just what I want to be doing. Um, so like for the three or four of us that were like, oh yeah, no, this guy's like, we're not going to like let this go to waste if we have this guy. Um, that kind of like helped us get out of the habits, but it was still like, he wasn't there every day. And you like, he's not, a, he's not at the team dinners. He's not on the bus rides. So mm -hmm. you still have the habits that were there by the guys that like, didn't really care about getting good at running. It's 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 a bit fascinating because I think I, I can't even say that it happens that it happens a lot. Of, I see it a lot at some of like the D one level too. Like um, if you're not one of the, like the top distance programs, that tends to have that kind of like mentality. But like even at my D three program, we had guys that had that whole thing too. Where it's like, yeah, we're not professional runners, we're not D one athletes. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you trying so hard? Yeah, and it's just like it's so. At a certain, like, for me, I just was like, I I really like competing. I'm sorry, man. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what you're telling me. Like, I'm, you're not going to stop me from doing what I want to do. But, like, it, it really is, like, you start seeing that in a lot of programs, too. I think, like, especially if, if their distance program is not, like, trying to make the national meet or things like that. It does leave it to really susceptible to doing that. But, like, it's really interesting where, like, you add, you add in a little – like a piece, like a coach that has that kind of mindset that's been at that level. Yeah. How much it will change a program. Like I would say for us at Tiffin, uh, we had Gray Horn and he was a, uh, um, I think he, I think he won USA's in the decathlon. Mm -hmm. And like his whole like thing was like carry the torch. Like the entirety momentum of the program was like, we keep ourselves, each other accountable whether you're on the distance squad, whether you're on like, and he was just a sprints coach. Yeah. It's like whether sprints, like distance, like everybody kind of just carried that, that kind of mentality. And it, I mean, we won two national titles when he was there and it was, it was crazy to hear like the change of the program. And now it's become like that. And it's like that one piece there, mm -hmm. but then in a, in a case where it's like, not every, they're not there to all the time. It's very easy to still have those voices still yeah. kind of be predominant there. Yeah, exactly. So you did see some success here. And I wanted to actually, I, I had some questions about that too. Cause like, so I pulled up t mm -hmm. um, and it looks like you did podium at big South yeah. in 2019. That was a big day. Um, there's a whole backstory to that. Um, but that was like the biggest, like that season was like, I decided like, you know what? I have to practice with them. So I'll go to practice. I'll be there with the guys that like, maybe don't want to be there as much. Um, we had a few guys that were like, 
like they responded really well to when the assistant coach came in, but there were two other kids. They came from Spain and they were always like, they weren't the highest mileage guys, but they were like, mm-hmm. when they were assigned to workout, like they were crushing this thing. Um, one of them got injured. So he registered this and um, started working out again towards the end of it. And it was like tempo workouts for him, but I was running like race effort. Like this guy. Yeah. So fit. Um, but eventually like I, I told myself like, I'll go out, I'll enjoy myself, but I'm going to try not to get hammered on weekends. I'm going to try to get to bed like minimum eight to nine hours of sleep a night. Um, mm-hmm. And like most weekends, I would even say like, yeah, I'll have like a beer or two, but I'll really just be like the designated driver for you guys. Like yeah. once 11 hits, like I'm not picking you up, like I'll be asleep. Um, <laughs> and that was really like, I had professors who were like, I was taking, I think it was, I wasn't exercise testing a prescription. It might've been, um, it was some class where I had a professor, I took four classes with him, but he gave us PowerPoints out where it was like explaining literally, literally like what you need to do to get better at track. It was just perfect. That's cool. Like if kids were like, why are you running 85, 90 miles a week? I would just say like, do you want the science packet on it? Or do you just (laughs) like thinking like, oh no, I don't need this much mileage to be good. And, like, I'm not saying everybody needs 80 to 90. Like, some guys, like, I know Knight was doing, like, there was rumored tonight, Justin Knight was doing, like, 55, 60 miles a week. Yeah. Um, But it was like, look, I'm responding to it. I'm going to keep doing this. Um, And then my coach at the time told me, like, look, TJ, you are, you have three options. You can do what you always do, which is run for a PR. And we know how that goes. And it always went poorly. Because once I would see a split on the clock that I wasn't prepared to see, I would bug out. Or if I got out too hard. I would settle too much and then not come back from it. Um, I can run to win, which is always like, I always struggled with it through high school and college, or I can just make the podium. So I told the coach like, yeah, I'm going to try to run to win. Cause that's like, if I have a shot, like I'm going to go for it. Um, and it was an outside shot. Cause my PR yeah. time was nine forty, nine forty one, nine forty. And Yeah. Nine forty point eight three for the Duke invitation. Tomorrow, yeah. Looks like here. Yeah, exactly. That, that was it. And he told me, yeah, it's going to take like a lower 920 to win it. And I was like, all right. And I still remember the next day he told me the workout was, and this is still one of my favorite workouts. It was three times a K with like just breaking up the steeple. Like you've run the first, you run each K individually with three minutes in between. Each of them are at your best effort considering you have three of them. So I think my splits were like 305 to 303 for him. And then at the end of it, I don't know if it was like to see like to mimic a kick or whatever, but he told me like, all right, you get one more minute and you're going to run an all out 400 over the barriers and over the water. And I trotted into like a 68. I was so shot. Woo. Um, hey, 68 on that with with barrier and water, but that's a pretty good kick there. I, I was happy with it, but I, I, I looked at my coach afterwards and I was like, that was the meanest shit I've ever been told to do. yeah i mean i just wanted to see how much grit you could put in at the end of the workout um but he told me like look these splits i've been doing this workout for years and the math on this tells me you're probably gonna run like a nine you're gonna run upper 920s so you're gonna have to have have a hell of a day and i get to the race goes out and it's like there were five of us that were really in contention to like make the podium um i start fading away going into the bell lap and, like, I was listening to my coach the entire time. He just told me, like, tuck in. Don't let yourself be known. Like, like don't let your presence be known until, like, maybe the last 600. And 
going into the bell lap, I was in fourth by about like 20 meters. And then the sprints coach had this soft spot for me. And I really appreciate how much she like actually looked out for me. She got in my face and was like, this is your last fucking track race. Are you really going to not make the podium in this? Jeez. I was graduating early and everybody knew it. So this coach was like really trying to get me. And I guess it really woke me up because I wish there was a video of it. But my everybody who was there said they've never seen me kick the way I did. And granted, I did not catch the guy at the very end to come in second. But coming on the podium, like that was, I think, the first time the head coach there has given me a hug during my career there. <laughs> um, and like we had this guy who was at every meet, like he would call out of work. He ran for High Point before it became HPU. It was like High Point College. Yeah. He was there. He was telling me like, that's what we've been waiting for all this time. The women's coach was like that. We finally got to see you race. And the, the assistant coach who was there. We ran at his old school, which was Winthrop, before he uh, did school at App State. And he was saying, like, it's about fucking time, which was, like, the biggest, like, I guess, uh, carrot for me to just be like, all right, this is actually kind of fun. I could probably do this even after I leave here. Um, But then I still had a semester of cross country to get through. So, yeah, that's probably still, like, to this day, the best race I think I've had. That's awesome. That's so awesome. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's so coming out of that i mean it's a pretty high high way to come out of um yeah that's a, 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 your track career there um you s- didn't sound so excited when you said you still had a cross country season yeah to get through. I, so talk about that a little bit when i was in high school we all loved cross so much more than track because it was like yeah. it's just distance running like we have two races we run them we go home kind of thing um, yeah. There was like a, there was a bigger team energy for cross country when I was younger than there was for track. Um, but then like even through college, I realized like, yeah, I'm not I'm not like this great AK guy. I, I'm doing it to like get fit for track. I thought I was this 3K, 5K specialist. Um, so you, that was more of a mindset thing that I put myself in where it was like. After I left, I was like running is running like you can be good at the 3K, you can be good at the 10K, you can be good at the AK on grass even. Um, but I was really trying to just make it through, try to set the freshman up for a good example of like, here's what you want. You're like, here's what I wanted this to look like. And here's what you guys can still make this look like. Like right now there are more freshmen than there are anybody else. Like if you guys start a culture, that's really good. It's just going to keep growing that way. Yeah. So it was more like, I was trying to be like the old grandfather who was just like, look, I might not be the fastest, but please trust me. I, I know a little bit about setting up a decent culture and I was just trying to always tell them like the guys I was living with, here's what we were doing. I mean, it's a good way to do it because I mean, ultimately it's sort of say is like a good culture Mm -hmm. and like people taking it a little bit more seriously. Like I think overall those kids will end up having a better college experience in general with the, or even a better relationship with running. Yeah as opposed to like a very much like a party culture team, mm-hmm. um, which like, I think I probably was a little bit more on the party side when I was in like early college, yeah. but like, it's still like my focus was on trying to create a culture. Um, so like, I'd happily throw away anything, any party that I ever wanted to, to go to make sure that our team was like, mm-hmm. continue to have a good culture. But like, I think overall, the kids, like, if you look at any kid that goes to a school that does prioritize more partying a lot of those kids don't end up enjoying running after this yeah exactly so coming out of college at this point so 
I think at this, I think with that, you really do have to come to terms with, and it's kind of like something that I, that we talked about before we got on this was like, I took a couple of years off on my end, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of started running with like pop runs and different things like that and trying to enjoy running again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to be able to be my, my, my opinion on this is like to be successful in running post-college, if you're not a professional runner, um, I think you really have to come to terms with why you're doing this and why you enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and so what was that piece for you? Yeah, I, I was the same way. Like once I finished up that cross country season, um, I like stopped running if I didn't have to, if I felt really crappy after a night of probably too many beers, I would go for like a 30 minute jog with some friends that also weren't on the team anymore. Um, just to like do something like it was, I still enjoyed running as far as like exercise went. And I knew it was like, it's easy. I already had the free shoes and I just got to shuffle my feet for a little bit every day to like hit the required number of minutes or whatever. Um, but then after I left high point, I went to Manhattan college and I was still just kind of hobby running or like not even that, but like I'd get out the door, I'd go for 30 minutes, I'd come home. I would just put my feet up immediately. Um, it was really just enough to say like, yeah, I'm still getting exercise. But I watched the first workout with Manhattan College and I called the guy I have coaching me now. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to be done. Like, even if I'm doing it by myself, I still miss the feeling of like, I need to put aside two hours to get really, really good at something that like, I don't have to do anymore. And I'm my little sister reminds me every fucking day that I do not have to get out the door and go for a 15 mile long run. I do not have to side and do three by two miles if I don't want to. So it is nice to have like that reminder, like, yeah, I don't have to do this, but I want to do it. <laughs> that was us on our, our morning long run this morning. Uh, Braden was like, we don't have to do anything. Yeah. We don't have to do this. And it was more like, you guys just want to go home. <laughs> but it was like a tongue in cheek, of course. Yeah. But it's like, we don't have to do anything. <laughs> Um, so uh, like, I, I do also, I, I also tell people too, that I, I think, especially college runners that take like some time off. And for some reason it, it could be a couple months off and then you just hear the whole thing washed, mm-hmm. which is like, honestly, bullshit. Like you're not washed. You yeah. took three months off of running. All right. Whatever. Like you're not like, you're never, it's not like you're never going to get back to running again exactly. or never going to get back in shape. It's so like, my argument is that as long as you're running, like, like 30 minutes, 45 minutes a day, like, yeah, you're not going to be at the fitness that you were in college, but like, you're not starting, you're not, deaf. yeah, like, it's not like if you took, uh, let's say you took a year or two off, completely off running, you started just like not taking care of yourself. Yeah. It's a little bit different. Yeah. It's going to take a longer time, but like, ultimately, like if you're just like still kind of jogging and just getting out there and doing something mm-hmm. like it's not that hard to get back into some kind of fitness. Yeah. Yeah, I tell everybody, like, I have a few people that I coach that are, like, out of college now or just, like, not on a college team, and they're always like, yeah, I took, like, two weeks off, and I go, yeah, that's, like, I mean, Legat would take two months off in regular (laughs) schedules. Like, it's easier to get fit to where you were before than it is to get fitter than you've ever been before. Like, this is the discouraging part. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, getting back into it, when you were at Manhattan, mm-hmm. describe a little bit about your situation. Were you training completely alone? Yeah. Um, um, I didn't have a group or anything. Like when I would go down to Manhattan's college um, practices, I would be, I would do like their easy runs with them. But when it came to workouts, I would time their workouts with their coach. Um, I would do my workouts 
like before I went into class or work because I still had one class to take in January. So I would do my workouts like virtually solo. If I was lucky, I'd have somebody on the bike or there were during winter breaks and summer breaks. I got really lucky that there were kids my sister's age four she's four years younger. I'd have kids to like work out with like sporadically throughout the year. Like one of them goes to Iona. So every now and again, I'll meet up with them for a long run. Uh, during the summer, we really just crush like tempos together, long runs. Like yeah. I had people like, I'd say maybe two days a week um, for like here, like more important sessions, like long runs I would do. I would try to get somebody on the bike with me or meet up with Iona. Um, easy days. I'd do a couple of them with Manhattan, but like mm-hmm. back workouts or like the Tuesday tempos, like those are pretty much always solo. So as far as that goes, like, I, I think, especially post-college, I think that's kind of the hard thing for a lot of people is not being able to run with people. Mm-hmm. How was it for you and how did you continue to keep yourself motivated in a place where like, for the most part, it's pretty solitary? Yeah, I, uh, like my schedule, like between teaching and coaching, and then I run the night school where I teach two days a week. Um, it's pretty packed. So I've been trying to, and I still struggle with it. Like sometimes it's like, wow, I really would like to not run for 60 minutes right now wearing like reflector vests and a, (laughs) but it is like, I I can still frame it as like, this is like the time of the day where I can like have like, I guess me time for like an hour and a half, two hours. It's just like, this is just what I want to do. Nobody's going to bother me while I'm doing it. The only thing I'm going to hear is my watch beep every mile. If I have it on. That's awesome. Like, I think that's one thing that that doesn't get like this. Actually, there was like a Reddit thread on it this week. It's like, how do you handle running mm-hmm. and like a career and it's, or even like different responsibilities and it's trying to find that place. Like, I don't think any of us, there's some days, I think most days, like I don't like, I like working out. Yeah. So that's like a Wednesday workout and a Saturday workout. Like that's fine. Like I like, yeah. I think for the most part, I think all of us like running fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So like, but that's just like the easy days. It's like, yeah, it's the all right, I, where you, I don't want like it. where you're really just feeling like crap from the day before and you're completely yeah. alone. And if it's windy, oh God, help me. Yeah. Windy. I'm not, I'm probably not. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Fridays, man. Fridays are the worst for me because it's like, it's not a beneficial day for me. It's just like, oh, time on feet. Yeah. It's like, uh, I have a workout the next day, but I know I got to get eight to 10. Mm-hmm. This is going to suck. I don't want to do this. And I, I think I paid a thing on Strava to this week was just like, I didn't want to do this. Am I happy I did it afterward? Like, you're not allowed to ask me that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah. So, I mean, just even looking at your times from here, um, also with the aspects of like, you didn't run all four seasons. You did graduate early. Yeah. Your, I, I did see that you did, um, a couple track races so like you seem pretty i would say kind of exponential growth yeah college because like the times you're running now it's like they're like they're killing you out of like from college yeah. like you're running great thanks man glad to uh, glad somebody can recognize it other than coach <laughs> um but yeah i it was really like that whole mindset mindship mindset thing that i was in in college where it was like like the guys that were like, we're not a power five team. Da, 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 da. Um, once I left, I was like, look, this is like, first of all, I don't have to do this. I want to, be, I want to know how good I can be. Like, I don't care if I ever like, don't make it to like, like the trials or whatever. Like that's not what entices me. It's like, 
I want to know how much my body can actually handle with running. Um, and there are still days, I think even Merber said it, like there are days where I get more excited about like a workout than I will about a race. Cause it's like, there's something about it where it's like, look, if I can handle this, like uh, I know my body's fit, which is like, I guess what entices me to keep running, like the exercise science nerd to me. That's like, just figure out how much you can do. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Like, so at what point, like, I mean, there's been a couple races that you've done, thankfully with the whole like trials of miles things, like yeah. there's a lot of races you can do there. Um, so I did take a look. I take a look. Uh, I did take a look at your Strava yesterday. Yeah. It's awesome of the PRs there. So you PR'd in a mile. Mm-hmm. You've PR'd in the 5K. Yeah. And now I think overall from looking at the uh, 10 man endurance co- coaching running calculator, I would say probably your most imp- impressive one as far as from that calculator is probably the half marathon. So talk about each one. So like, like you don't really see too many people like come out of college and they go back and they break their mile PR. Yeah. That's like one that's out there. <laughs> yeah. That was uh like I mentally, I always like tanked in the mile for whatever reason. I just couldn't figure it out. Um, and there was a trials of miles 1500 from I think 2021 and in college, I ran like a 410 and I was just fucking embarrassed. Like I I would, got off the track, I cooled down and I just hid from everybody. I was like, <laughs> like just graceful for me to put out. Um, so going into that one, I saw when I was warming up, I saw that there was a kid that went to Manhattan College that I was like, oh, I coach this kid. Like, there's no way I'm losing to him. Like, I can't let that. Yeah. Um, and if there, like, there's always been one part of me that's like, it always crushes it. It's just being a metronome. Like if I was told to run like a 63.5, I would run the 63.5. Um, so my coach gave me a workout. It was just the classic eight by a quarter on 90 seconds rest. You run them all at mile effort. And I ran an average of, I think, 63.8. So I was like, all right, I can probably handle 64s the entire time. And I ended up running four flat point three, which is literally 64 point less than 64.1 um the entire way through um yeah and i i don't really think i even kicked it was just 64 is the whole way through (laughs) and then the mile was last summer at one of the trials of miles tracksmith meets um that one i was honestly a little disappointed in it because i was doing workouts where my coach was confident in like lower four tens, like probably four thirteen, four eleven range. Yeah. Um, but as soon as we went through we I saw like a sixty one on the first four oh nine and I was like Yeah, yeah I, I was fried right there. Like I was just trying to make it through the rest of the race. Um, oh my God. Yeah. That one we even we had like pacers for it and I was just like that felt like a wasted opportunity more than anything. But it was still a PR so I was like, I'll take it. And it's the first one I had all year, so um, but yeah, the mile's always been like a mental battle for me. I just can't figure out when and where to kick. That's, uh, I have the same. I've, uh, that I still want to break 420. So yeah, it's a, it's been on my mind for a long time. So it's like, I, I PR'd in a mile last, or I think, yeah, last year. And I was mm-hmm. like, I PR'd at like 29. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> but it's also like jumping in from like marathon training. Yeah. So. It's like the polar opposite. Yeah. I, I, I last year I did that. I went out and, uh, I did a meet at Tiffin. I went out to my old alma mater and uh, went through and I was like, I think it's one thing 
I don't know if it's just like a whole thing with like marathon running where you're not really that aggressive off the line. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, like I'm seated eighth. I'm going to just like tuck in. Yeah. And I start hearing the timer over the first 200 and it's like 34, 35. I'm like, oh no. Yeah. No. Like, <laughs> We're going slow. That, that kind of used to marathon training. Oh my God. It was like, it was just so slow. I took, a, I, I went around the entire pack. I think I ended up running like 426, but it was just like off of 35 for yeah. like 200. I was like, yeah, I, I think that's the hardest thing to like, if you're like doing a longer distances, like half full marathon stuff, like jumping into the track races, like you're just not used to being that aggressive. Yeah. And also like, you're also not running that pace ever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's- oh yeah, like I can just tuck in. Yeah. And sometimes you're just like more aerobically fit in the field and you're just like, fuck, I should have just gone out and done it. Uh, that same um, similar thing happened to me in this indoor season. I ran 8.50 for a 3K, which is like, yeah, it was a PR, but if I didn't PR in the 3K, well, I would have been pissed. Um, but it was like, I was aerobically like not tired even after the race. Yeah. I had like three actual 3K sessions going into it because I told my coach a month out, I was like, I'll sign up. We'll just see what fucking happens. Um, and what happened was I got out in a two fifty first K, which is like exactly what we talked about. Yeah. If, if nothing else, I can be a metronome and <laughs> the anaerobic component of the three K was like, yeah, you haven't prepared for this. Like you, and and then it, I just, every lap was a regression. It, it was have fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's a hard way to run that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's uh so five K now. Uh, you, you're, I mean, heck from looking at even just the, the T for stuff, like, I mean, your PR was like 1540, 1550 yeah, for the five. Yeah. I mean, well, I'll, I'll, I would give this, like I switched over to the steeple, like my junior. And once you switch over to the steeple, you're probably not going to run a fast five K if you're competitive in the steeple. Yeah. So like, I, I, that I'll take that with a grain of salt. Um, but Sub fifteen? Yeah. Um we had a there was a meet that the Garden State Track Club hosted where it's like high schoolers that aren't going to nationals or like clubs or unattached people like just sign up. And I got lucky because when I put in like fifteen I think my PR before it was like fifteen eleven, they were like there probably aren't gonna be a ton of people for this one. Um mm-hmm. and when I got there there were like three or four guys that I knew. And it was like everybody there was running for like fourteen forty five to fifteen minutes, like in that range. And what ended up happening was we n- nobody ever said it, but once a lap lagged over like seventy two and a half, somebody else would get us back on pace for it. Um, so like the splits for that one were literally like, uh, if you will, I, I have a screenshot of them, but every lap was seventy to seventy two low. Like yeah. there were two seventy threes towards the end, and then we all just dropped like a sixty sixty five last lap to get under the fifteen. <laughs> That's awesome. How'd that feel, man? Like sub fifteen, sub fifteen. Yeah, that was that was really validating because it was like one of those races where it's like, look, if I do it today, there's it's going to be another one of those things where it's like you are still getting better even though you're done college. And like in the yeah, I was like, look, I know aerobically, like everybody still like continues to get fitter up until like they're around 30. I guess the shoe tech is making it like 32 now. Um, yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> but it was one of those things where it was like, if I don't do it, 
I'm probably not going to be super surprised, but if I do it, it's going to be like just one of those things that's like really encouraging. Like, yeah, it's an arbitrary time barrier, but like 15 minutes for 5k, that's like something I think everybody goes like the first time you do it is like one of those things where it's like, you're, you're not going to be upset with it. I'd say that's the amateur glory. Like yeah. it's, it's four flat in the 1500. It is 15 flat in the 5k and mm-hmm. it's two thirty in the marathon. Yeah. Like those are the big ones. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Um, so fast forward a little bit here to, um, to present day. Um, I did see the log for you for your project 13.1. You said you didn't have a perfect buildup for this. Yeah. Um, I would teach elementary school, which is like, look, kids are great, but they are always sick and gross. Um, I was going to say that's a, that's a Petri dish. Yeah. Literally <laughs> what I called, what I call it to everybody who asks it's, like they're still touching their mouth, they're picking their nose, and they're coming up to you before they wash their hands or anything. So like I was sick almost every week for the six weeks going into Project Thirteen Point One. Um, so like I had two long runs and me and like half-assed like thrown together workouts where it was like if we can get this in that'd be great. If not, here's what we're gonna look for. Um, so it was one of those things where it was like. I'm going to see what happens. And I live 20 minutes from where the race is. So like I do all my tempos on it too. Yeah. Um, so it was like, it was like a home meet for me. So I was like, all right, look, I know the lake. Um, I don't have to wake up early. I don't have to sleep in a hotel. I can have my own like slow morning routine kind of thing. Um, so like going into the race, I was like, I cannot give myself any excuse. And over here, it started getting really warm, really cold, really warm, really cold again. So I was like, I'm probably going to get some kind of allergic, like allergy thing going on with it. I'm like, sure as shit. The Thursday before the race, I wake up, I'm like blowing crustaceans out of my nose. Oh no. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm not sick. It's allergies, whatever. Um, and then the day of the race I had, like I said, the third, the oldest Tui, he was considerate enough to drive me over to the lake himself. My girlfriend drove over from where she lives to come watch, and she's in the same area as me, different town, but still, like, 20 minutes away from the lake. Yeah. Um, so, like, having those two over there and the fact that it was, like, it's a home meet. I had my slow morning. I slept in my own bed kind of thing. Um, and, like, I like I run like a furnace. Like, I'm always hot. So, having it be, like, 30 and the rain holding off, it was, like, ideal. It yeah. wasn't great, but like the group we were in, like everybody was going single file once we hit like that straight line on the lake. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, like once the race started, I knew who I was trying to look for. Um, like the there's a guy that runs for Brooklyn Track Club, Gerard Connolly. Like he's a, he was a yeah he boss took off. I knew yeah. I could run with him through, like even just mile ten. So I was yeah. telling myself like. Just one more mile or one more lap, whichever one, like once you start to feel it, like just st- focus on like just hanging on. Um, I will say it was a little discouraging hearing him like call out people's names on the, in the crowd when we were running together. It's like, this guy's talking right now. Like I'm just hanging on. <laughs> um, but like I knew I knew he was like just a little bit better than I was. So I was like, I'm just going to see what happens if I try to run with him and I don't give myself any excuses. And then the last 5K, Gerard just turned me inside out guy dropped a 502 and i was not prepared for it yeah we were i was part of that group with him there was a basketball jersey guy that was just a little bit ahead of us mm-hmm. um and, and Vinny, uh he's a guy that i know from i think he's philly guy mm-hmm. he was he was pushing pretty early on um 
I'll be honest, I did not feel great yeah. for like the most. It's like for six miles in, I was like, I had a foot issue, and I was like, I don't feel good. Yeah. Like, but like it was weird, and I, I I really hope that I wasn't um chaotic in terms of like my because like I would I would I would surge up and I would come back, surge up, come back, but it was really like I just did not feel good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I just need I just need a couple quick steps to get back into it, and we're fine. But it ended up being myself. Uh, uh, is it Gerard? Yeah. And then a Syracuse Trap Club guy that pulled away with like, I think it was a loop and a half to go. Mm-hmm. And I think I ran a 1450 last loop. And then he like, he had broken us. I think he, he had broken us like with like a loop and three quarters to go. Mm-hmm. He just like, he just went off. Yeah. He was like, all right, well, see you later. But it was also really funny because like, there was a 68 guy, or there was a 68 group that was way ahead of us. Yeah, I noticed that. I was like, I should be with a pacer right now, because, like, yeah. and at 68, I was like, I did not see the pacer once. No, I, I had shouted it out, and because I was in the back of our group, mm-hmm. and I was like, that guy's going out way too hard. Because, like, we went through the mile in, like, 508, 510. Yeah. And they were, they had dropped us. Mm-hmm. And like I was like, yeah, they're they're out way too hot. Like I am not like that's fuck that man. I'm yeah. not doing that shit. <laughs> yeah, once but the, it was literally like find Gerard and just stick on him. Yeah, he was like the the one constant. Him and that yeah. Syracuse Trap Club guy were the one constants that were just like all in. Yeah. And and they were just I, they were perfect for like just getting us through like where we wanted to go. Yeah, I think I went like fifteen twenty, fifteen eighteen, fifteen oh nine, and then like. Yeah, that I think it was like a fifteen zero, and then fourteen fifty, and it was like they were just like, it was just great group to pull with. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, even looking at that, heck, man, like it's the one thing. It's the one really cool thing about these kind of stories where like you look overall, and and like I I get I have this like the the whole ten man thing because like my coach pulls it for me every so often, mm-hmm. like. Like a sixty-eight, sixteen here, like the five, the the five k equivalent. That it's like fourteen forty-five. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's just like from where you were at in college, and we're all in college. Like where we spent so much time just focusing on on one thing and just like being successful at one thing. And you have like you have your athletic trainers and like you have yeah. a group to run with and all this stuff and like. You get out of college and you also have a lot more responsibilities on top of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have, you don't necessarily have like an athletic trainer. You have to fit running within everything else. Mm-hmm. It's not the only thing. It's not the be all end all. And like, go ahead and run that. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. I I think it's more, I, I think it really comes down to like, once you get out of college, it becomes less of like something that you really you think of it as like, I have to go to practice because like I'm on this team. I have to run this race because my coach told me to. It's like I make my own schedule now. So like I'm not going to sign up for something if I don't think it'll go well. Um, but it, yeah. it really is like one of those things where it's like once you leave college, it becomes more of like I'm doing this because I signed up because I like to do it. Um, all the training I'm doing is completely optional. So eventually there's going to have to be some payoff. And the only payoff for all the training we do is a race. So, yeah. And I mean, all these all these events now are like cost money yeah. too. So. Yeah, it's like I'm not going like, to waste paying to do this. Signed up for a track race with. <laughs> uh, just a, a quick aside to like, 
you did say about your mentality when you came to racing in college where it's like you ran a win, didn't necessarily go that well so often, like um and then if it didn't hit the split right away, it you, you would kind of go haywire. Yeah. In a race like Project Thirteen Point One, where like splits went completely haywire from the gun. One because like we played basically uh, uh, Red Rover, Red Rover, basically yeah. <laughs> from the beginning. Um, how like like mentally, how does that shift happen? Because like I have some friends that I've raced in college with, where if a split didn't happen right, they they go crazy. And the same thing for me. Like I think we all. Like long distance runners tend to be kind of type A personalities when it comes to like racing, racing. I'm mm-hmm. like, like it has to be perfect. It has to be perfect because like we plan our workouts around that. Yeah. At what point did that shift go away from that, and you felt comfortable enough with should happen, just play it out? Yeah. Um. It's still something I go back and forth with. Like the first half marathon I did, it was like I wanted to run five fifteen the whole way through and just make it comfortable, and then that didn't end up happening because I saw like a 518 and I was like, Oh shit. And this started panicking on the inside. And then in Philly, I ran, that was my second half. And once we hit the Hills, like that was more of like, Oh, I did not prepare for these. And then like mentally it was like, I I just shut down. I did not know what the course was going to look like. I had no idea how many Hills were left. Um, but I think it helped being at like essentially a home race. Like I know everything about Rockland Lake. What I was going to say was, uh, like, with long runs and stuff, I've always just been, like, a, like when I was in college, I had teammates that were, like, the epitome of, uh, the, I guess the mentality is just, fuck it, we ball. Like, if it happens, it happens. <laughs> and the coach I have now, like, him and I agree, like, a long run is, re- uh, a half marathon is just a hard long run. So, you're going to have splits that go up and they go down. Yeah. Uh, ideally, you want them to be even, but on a perfect day even like you're gonna have one that goes up one that comes down like 10 seconds you're gonna back up when you're trying to settle somebody's gonna make a move you're gonna respond to it it's gonna come back down but yeah it was really just uh like a big mental thing for me was like the cue of just like one more and even if it was like i would tell myself like one more lap early on and then eventually it became like one more mile yeah so it was it was that for, for me it was like that one last loop yeah I was I, like, oh. I just get me to that one. Like, I, I think at halfway, I was like, man, I kind of want to drop. This fucking sucks. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to drop. But in the back of my head, I'm like, this does not feel great. And then when you get to the last one, it's like, well, fuck. We got one lot to go. Yeah. Fuck this shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I'm so, hoping they have that thing in the fall again. Because in the fall, the lake is like, there's shade. There's never really a windy day after like the middle of yeah. July. Like, it is, it, is, it is like a really nice place if you're trying to rip. McCurdy and Backline just announced the 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 project twenty six point two basically mm-hmm. the McCurdy Marathon yeah so like they're going to be doing it in October for people that are trying to get the OTQ or right around like yeah or just run fast in the marathon so that's what they're doing out there mm-hmm. uh, um you did see you coach yeah um, coach high school you coach a couple kids or a couple guys out of college so how do you from what you've learned through your, mm-hmm. your career, like how do you, I, I think it's really hard to be able to like really explain to people to like, to explain to athletes, just like relax a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you do it for your athletes? How do you basically take them off the ledge? Yeah. I, I actually have kids now that are like, I don't think I'm going to get fit in time for track se- for like the championship season and da, 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 da. they ran indoor track. Like 
the first few weeks aren't really the workouts where it's like it matters. Like it's really like the first two weeks at most public high schools, they're trying to get kids to like realize like, oh, maybe this isn't something I want to do. So then the kids that they want to stay there. But I really just tell them like, even if you're, even if you don't think you're ready, like part the hardest part, even for me at some points was just trusting the coach. Um, Like their job is to make you better at running. And even though I don't really work with the kids on the track because I teach elementary school. So by the time Mm -hmm. we get there, their track stuff is pretty much done. It's just in the weight room. So my thing is really just trying to work with them on like, look, your coach is not going to give you something that doesn't prepare you as best as they're able to prepare you for this event. And if you don't think that that's doing enough, you, you, you need to be able to talk to the coach yourself. Like they are not here to be like this stonewall figure, like do what I say, when I say, how I say it, because I say it, they want your feedback too. Like this sport, like you need to be able to tell your coach, like, Hey, I'm feeling really tired. Um, I'd rather go for a normal run than a work, than try to half-ass through a workout right now. Yeah. Um, some kids are really good about being communicative. Some of them, they still are like, they get all twitchy when they're like trying to talk to the head coach about something. Um, so eventually it comes down to like, do you want me to tell them? And once I do, the head coach is like, yeah, if they need to, and if they need an extra day, we can do this workout tomorrow. Like it's not that yeah. big deal. Yeah. It's so funny because it's like, they're not going to be bad at you. Yeah. It's like, what, what they need to realize is like coaching. And, and no, actually, like I was working on like a response to that. There's a Dutch run thread about Merbler's thing about coaching or like training partners and what's mm-hmm. more important. And so I would argue about coaching, but it's like a lot of it is like training programs aren't like if training programs were like something that you could just like plug and play, everybody would be doing double thresholds, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, it's, there's so much nuance to it. And it's like, if the athlete's not talking to the coach, like the coach doesn't know. Yeah. Like I have a set plan that I think like would be good for my marathoners that I have, but like, I've had to switch up a lot of things. Like, mm-hmm. well, somebody has a little bit achy. Somebody's not really good at like, somebody's not really good at changing gears. So I throw in a workout that's going to be, get them to start changing gears because they just, lock into one pace and it's like it's it's if that doesn't know to talk to the coach like that's never gonna happen yeah it's still gonna be a cookie cutter program because you don't have to fucking talk to the person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like the even the people i coach that are like out of college or like in college not on a team it's like look i i can tell you what i think you should do but if you feel like you want to do something else like let me know because there is still that part of it that's like people respond well to what they like doing like I coach a guy now, like I think he should be running higher mileage. He does not. Yeah. We agree. Like instead of seventy, instead of fifty, we'll just do like sixty to sixty-five a week. Um, and like he's a huge guy for strides, and I'm like, I don't do strides as much as I should, but he does them almost five days a week. Oh my god! And he takes so much time in between them. Sometimes he does them like in his run. We're like, we have a really flat stretch of road that we like like two, three miles long. He'll just do like random 15 minute pickups and then like jog for like a mile and then just do another 15 second pickup. And this kid has like just the most out of no, like just out of his ass raw speed I've ever seen. Like the kid right now, if I called him up, he could probably drop like a 51 or 50 in a 400. That's not fair, man. Yeah. (laughs) So I, as far as with, with that stuff, like how do you pull, especially high school and like post-college kids, how do you pull somebody out of the hammer mentality? Cause like, that's, that's a very much like, 
it's like I have to like give it all I got every time, every time, um, every time. Yeah, I really just talk to them about like you don't get better when you're running. You get better when you're recovering from it. And you can't really recover from running if you actually go hard every day. And like sometimes I'll just throw like some pro Strava at them. I'll be like, look, look at Sam Parsons. He's running 730 pace or like Drew Hunter or like the only one I don't show them is Klecker because Klecker Miles make me want to throw up. <laughs> but, um, it's really like, look, these guys are running slower than you are almost every day, but their workouts are so much faster. Like they have such a polarized training schedule that like they're actually able to fully absorb what they did. And like, sure, they yeah. might have better facilities or whatever, but like they're making the most of what they have. You need to make the most of what you have. And that means sometimes you might have to run 740 pace for eight miles. Yeah. Instead of going out and trying to barely hold on to 610 pace. Yeah, that, I think that's the biggest lesson that I wish I would have learned like this college is like, I don't have to run sub sevens every day. Yeah. Anymore. Like, if I need to run an eight minute pace run, that's fine. We're fine. It doesn't matter. Those runs don't matter. It's yeah. just like, just get the time in and you're fine. It's literally, <laughs> you, gotta to yourself, you gotta recover and you gotta make sure that like you're still getting some kind of aerobic stimulus in. And even if that stimulus is like super low heart rate, super easy breathing like you're just getting more oxygen in to flush out whatever you put in your body the day before yeah so for you what's what's next what's um, next for you what's next on the schedule what do you what's what's the next goal for like i guess 2023 yeah i just took a week off in colorado so there's probably too many ipas flowing in my system but hey we uh I have in just under six weeks, the uh, 1500 at Trials of Miles, the night at the track. Um, hopefully just even the 359 would be like good day. Um, I'm hoping to find something after that one, but probably just nothing after that until like June. And then there's the Tracksmith Amateur Mile Series. Um, and then really just trying to string together a bunch of track races for the summer probably some shorter road stuff and then come the fall back up to like 10k half marathon distance cool cool um couple questions for you to end out the pot here all right um i guess first question here if you could give yourself any advice for high school and college what would you give high school it would probably be uh mileage does help don't be stubborn and think oh you're only running three miles you don't you don't need to run seven eight miles a day um because in high school, I was just this guy like, I'll run like five if I want to. Um, college, it was honestly probably the same thing. But also like, probably don't put as much stock into the distance guys that were like being the toxic kind of teammates. Just put the stock yeah. in people that are like actually there for you. Um, and trust your coach. He does know what he's talking about. Um, yeah, it really just comes down to trusting the coaches and listening. Awesome. Second question. If you could have any beer that you could just drink at all times, like it, it could be hot, it could be cold, just one beer that is your go-to beer that you would like to drink. The go-to beer art. and then your favorite beer ever. The go-to is uh, probably a Coors Banquet. If they don't have banquets, I'll, I'll take a light. It's just water. I'll tell myself I'm hydrating. Um, <laughs> but the my favorite it's the brewery is like a mile from my house. It's called the industrial arts wrench. Um, just, just fat Northeast IPA. Um, you get like two of them. You're good. 
but nobody else <laughs> but once you get to four you're gonna have a bad night <laughs> i've been there with tough hearted yeah <laughs> uh final question here and we have it for everybody how many shirts Oof, this is a tough one i typically i got a few answers for this one i typically run in two i'll go long sleeve t-shirt i own too many i gotta say at least 50 <laughs> oh you know what honestly this is probably the best question best answer we've gotten to it you got i you got you gave me an answer that i've actually never heard from anybody that's running it's like how many shirts you are you running and also how many shirts you have so i'm very happy about that <laughs> i like oh, that shoot man uh no I, I appreciate you being on the pod um if for the podcast if people that are listening i don't know if this is easter so you taking the time to, to chat with me it's fantastic um yeah and um if you're ever in Columbus, Ohio, by any chance, let me drop me a line. Uh, drink some well, IPAs. Um, if I'm ever up in, uh, in up that way, I'll bring out some IPAs for you. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, man. Yep.